0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Ryder is a chartered financial analyst and holds the Certificate Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. How much of your overall budget do you spend on food? We'll give you some suggestions on how to best allocate your money to give you the best benefit. And between the tips, Ryder will take your personal finance questions. So, good morning, Ryder. Hope you're doing well this morning.
2: Good morning, Kevin.
1: How are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, just interesting, I was thinking they just had a news item on um, the Idinarod sled dog race, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. boy, social isolation and sports, that is about as isolated as you can get. It's just you and the dogs out there mushing through the, the Arctic. So,
2: Yeah, I don't think they have to worry too much about about, um, about the athletes passing it on uh, to fans or fans being too close to anybody else. So I, I think that's a, still a safe. A safe sport for these times
1: and uh, we should mention that uh, Ryder is joining us uh, via the telephone we are the round the rest of americans are concerned about the ongoing uh, com- uh, coronavirus and so we want everybody to be safe so Ryder has agreed to join us uh, via telephone and still ready to take your personal finance questions now right we talk about financial news and the news Boy, the wild ride on wall street continues
3: uh,
2: yes, it absolutely does. Uh, yesterday, I mean, percentage wise, was, you know, I believe uh, the second worst day on record. I guess on record might be a silly thing to say, but um, uh, certainly uh, most uh, major U.S. indices down about 12%. Um, now, keep in mind that is following uh, Friday, which. Uh, was after after some press conferences in the evening, kind of up about ten percent. Of course, you know, up ten percent and then down twelve percent. You're still you're still down, um, but it it has been, as you say, a wild ride and you know a huge down day, often followed by a huge up day. Um, uh, just the up days are not uh, compensating. Uh, we could say for the down days.
1: So the, kind of the advice uh, so far has been. You know don't don't panic too much and i guess and i would imagine that we might see this kind of fluctuations continuing um as 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 our weight our daily lives are, are changing due to the virus so what would you still say kind of stay the course or what would your advice be at this point
2: yeah so uh, kind of how you approach the market is going to depend on you know where you are on your own financial journey, uh, where you are with your own financial needs. Um, so particularly you know younger clients uh, clients who are still accumulating uh, clients whose the bulk of the money they're ever going to have is, is money they are still going to be earning in the future. Um, you know they are still making deposits, you know they are still uh, buying stocks on a regular basis. Uh, That is kind of, yes, very much so sticking with the plan. I do think even with those uh, folks, we do have a little bit of caution, particularly for anybody who is self-employed or employed in a particularly economically sensitive uh, field, a lot of service workers, a lot of... um, You know, restaurants, bars, places that depend on the public being out and being there—it's going to be tricky for them. So, you know, whenever we see, okay, well, your income might decline a little bit over the next, you know, few months to a year, um, then we want to be careful with making sure that they do have enough in the bank uh, to last them. Should they lose their job? Should they just simply not have enough income? So that's that's uh, that's one thing Uh, for folks who are. Living out of their accounts, like we've discussed before on this show, um, you know, we would never have someone exposed to uh, so much stock market risk if they were living out of their accounts. Um, you know, money that you're going to need next month or even next year, we're pretty much keeping that in cash or something very similar to cash. Um, you know, short-term U.S. Treasury, short-term uh, high-quality corporate bonds, things like that. Um, and then, of course, for the midterm, medium-term—I don't want to say midterm when we're in an election year. <laughs> Um, you know, for the medium term, you know, a couple years out, uh, we're still going to have that money in bonds. Um, you know, it's, it's it's important that because it's and it's always been important that your portfolio is aligned with your financial needs. And so if you were living out of a portfolio but it was actually all invested aggressively in stocks, look we invest in stocks for for long-term returns. We don't invest in stocks because we think they're going to do well you know by the end of the month. Um, it's you know it's highly likely you know in any given year that you've got ne- multiple negative months. Um, I know we've been spoiled quite a lot for the last um, 10, eleven years. Um, but this is a good reminder that, while we invest in stocks because they go up over the long term, and we expect them to go up over the long term, uh, stocks can also go down. So, that's that's the reminder right now.
1: Uh, one interesting uh, comment I think I heard on Marketplace the other night, and that is, you know, when there's these huge sell-offs of stocks, there are also people buying them.
2: Right. I mean, there has to be somebody else on the other side of the trade, right? Uh, and I want to address something that you know has come up quite a lot recently, especially when you have these huge down uh opens uh, when the when the when the stock market opens and it's down you know five uh, or seven you know as, as we did and hit the circuit breaker last week twice uh percent um So, uh, there's a couple of reasons. Typically, that is because there's just immense pressure coming from folks selling. And so, to balance the other side of the book, you know, you think of this, you know, think of the stock market as just like an open marketplace. If there are a ton of people trying to sell stuff, you've got to balance the price that they're selling at with what the buyers are willing to pay. And the lower that price goes, the more buyers you're going to have willing to come in and buy. So that's why the price can jump down, and likewise how it can jump up as well. Um and and so there's a lot of discussion about where are these trades coming from, where are these trades coming from. Um I you know, I don't obviously especially for just simply the past two weeks, don't have good statistics on who is placing these trades. Right? Um a lot of it what we often see, you know, on Mondays, um I often like to think of this as, you know, folks who had maybe they listen to the news all week and they hear it's bad and they get online and they you know, they sell out of their four oh one K or reallocate their accounts, and all of those orders will hit the market on Monday. So that's just a lot of kind of folks are just putting the trades out there. And as you see, that kind of weighs down on that scale, and that pushes those prices down uh, for the open on Monday. Of course, there are other buyers and sellers out there. There are large institutional traders, and some of them simply, you know, they have a strategy that says, oh, if stocks are going down, we're going to sell some. And that does exacerbate the problem. Of course, there are folks out there whose strategy is, if stocks are going down, we're going to buy some. Um, So, folks are kind of out there, you know, how, how much of this is, you know, computers or algorithms pushing the market down. And, you know, some of it is algorithms. But a lot of algorithms are just executing the trades that either a human being, like myself or you sat there and place that trade, the algorithm is executing that, or the algorithm is executing a trade that we set up a long time ago and said, you know, stocks go up by stocks and stocks go down buy stocks. It's not there, there there's very little buying and selling in the market that is just computers just having a, you know, a free-for-all on it. You know, they're not, and you know, the computers are not rising up against us today. <laughs> All
1: right. Uh, we've got a caller on the line, so why don't we say good morning to Jim, who's called in from Lamar County. Jim, you're on the air with us, so go ahead, please.
3: Hello. I thought I'd uh, start the conversation with a bit of history that I learned several years ago that... Historically, for most of human history, people spent about a third of all of their income on food every year. And in the last 50 years, with the growth of modern agriculture, today in America, the average American spends 10% of their disposable income on food.
2: Mm Mm-hmm yeah I've heard um I, I don't know if I've had those specific numbers in mind, but yes I have heard uh things like that um you know and, and I think it is important you know to keep in mind though you know with food uh the the food budget affects uh folks on the lower income scale a lot more um because you know you know, $100 of food feeds everybody the same amount. Um, I'm granted, you know, if wealthy people maybe are going to finer restaurants more often, paying a lot more for that, you know, unit of food. We call it the calorie. Um, but, but, yeah, you know, uh, that's why we have, you know, on the lower income scale, we want to make sure people can't afford food because people are not eating and surviving in society we have much 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 bigger problems. Um, so yeah that's where you know that's where obviously food stamps and things like that come in but yes due to innovations in agriculture food prices and food as a percentage of the american budget has come down drastically over the <laughs> past few decades. You're absolutely right. That's an that's an awesome stat to share. Thanks, Jim.
1: Good to hear from you, Jim this morning. This is Uh, Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're going to take our first break of the hour. What items have increased in price the most in the last 10 years? We'll have that information for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. The website moneytalks.mpbonline.org is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. According to a USA Today article, the average grocery bill has been driven up in cost the most in the last 10 years by tobacco and smoking products, margarine, shelf-stable fish, and seafood. Some interesting lists there. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, your food budget today, but also looking for personal finance questions. Uh, David is on the line, so let's invite him into the conversation, calling from Jackson. Good morning, David. Go ahead.
3: Hi. Good morning.
1: What do you have for hey, us? Hey, welcome,
3: David. Hey. Well, um, this kind of pertains to how it affects the family. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a friend come over Sunday and we learned that they were sick or they had been sick but they had not been tested but having been a nurse for three decades she said that this was not the flu but it was evil and she had tr- recently traveled to texas and then back to vicksburg and she she worked in jackson her daughter had been sick as well with this same thing. I don't know. I mean, Mm. I can't say it's coronavirus, but because they weren't tested. And then um, they'd been well for a couple of weeks, but then she had a fever Friday, but we didn't know about it until she was over here Sunday. Mm. And today, uh, I learned about it yesterday afternoon talking to my wife. And I told my employer about it. And just said, look, dispatch me by phone. Just keep me away from people. And they said, no, you just go home. Mm-hmm. Just go home for a few days. And I had to tell my wife, and she is freaking out. Uh, we don't. We're, we're fortunate enough not to be living paycheck to paycheck. But I guess if you put two or three paychecks in there, you know, we're, you know, that's going to hurt. Oh. Uh, and I thought that would be good for the public to know, and employers to know, uh, just look, think about this, you know, how this is affecting everybody. And I'm not trying to be over dramatic or anything like that. I was just trying to be, I can't live that, I can't live with my conscience if I go to work and expose everybody when I think I might have been exposed. I don't know.
2: Right.
1: Uh, David, I think you're, you're doing what's been recommended, and that is if you feel sick, that uh, that you are uh, encouraged to stay at home, as you said, so that you don't pass along any possible infection to other people that you encounter, uh, both in your workplace and on the way uh, to and from work. Ryder, I guess the, the thought here, too, is uh, if people are concerned about uh, you know the paycheck and, and, and how they're going to get through these next couple of months, what sort of advice would you have maybe for folks who have not, uh, that don't have a big. Uh, Maybe savings emergency funds saved up that are trying to maybe that do live sort of paycheck to paycheck
2: yeah, so um, this is tough, and 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 David brought up a number of good things. You know, first, obviously, kind of the the medical aspect. You know, this is this is weird. I'm not going to address that too much because I'm not a medical expert, and there are some fantastic medical shows on MPB that can address that a little bit better. But you know, it, it is a weird thing that you can, you know, you can be carrying um, this virus, you know, possibly for days or weeks, and possibly be spreading it without even showing symptoms. And particularly what you know we've heard, you know, again. Not a medical expert, uh, but you know it possibly especially younger folks um, in the you know kind of twenty to 40 range uh, who are uh, able to have the virus never never really show symptoms um, but still possibly be passing it on. So the important thing is in what David is doing is he is staying home, not necessarily for his own health. Um, I mean, they, David. I don't know if you're still on the line, but you sound like a young, oh, yeah. young guy to me. <laughs> um, not you. Don't sound like you're over 85 or over 65, which is one of the super high risk um, uh, kind of age brackets. Um, you you I'm don't necessarily OBD. Okay, well, you know, so and, and so pre-existing, you know, uh, I'm not going to get into the medical issues again, but um, but staying home, uh, you know, for a lot of folks is going to be staying home to, to protect other people and not interacting with people who are higher risk. Um, you know, for yourself, obviously, you know, if you suspect you may have it or suspect you may have been exposed, you you know they're staying home to to recover. Um, like you said, you know a lot of folks can you know you know if, if you've been diligent, you do have some savings built up. You know you, you can go a, a paycheck or two without worrying too much. Um, I think if you you know there are a lot of people though, um, particularly you know folks in the service industry, uh, people who you know work in events, people who, like I said before, any sort of industry. Industry where your your business, your income depends on uh, seeing people in person, or uh, you know working in places where large numbers of people come. You're going to have times when you're, you, there might be a, a stretch of several months, um, you know, where you may have drastically reduced or no income. You know what we've seen in other countries. You know, particularly, I I think China is a very good example of how, uh, you know, how to really kind of solve this problem. Um, They essentially shut everything down for about three weeks uh, to a month, and um, and they just very rigorously tested and treated people, uh, but most importantly, people stayed home. And in a country of um, you know over a billion people, they had, uh, I want to say... 80,000 cases total. They've had 15 in the past few weeks. Um, they are basically recoveries. Something like 90% of people who contracted it have recovered. Uh, so long now, as uh, infected foreigners do not go back to China, they're done. They've, they've figured it out. They're done. Um, and so that's what it takes. Uh, but of course, you know not you know if everybody in America stays home for a month there's a lot of economic activity that's not going to happen now this isn't like a big structural issue this isn't you know this isn't a 2008 where there are huge structural issues and you know you know which spread throughout the economy this is a this is a everyone has to stay home some people are going to be sick and then you're going to leave the house again after you know whenever whenever this is passed you're going to leave the house again and you know there's going to be this all the, there's going to be pent up demand from people who get who can't afford it and then the folks who you know did lose jobs did lose paychecks um, you know will hopefully go back to work at that point um, as far as anyone who is facing this, uh, times of you know, a stretch of not having a paycheck, so there's a number of things being discussed. I, I don't know quite the progress on the uh bills in Congress, but I know that some were, uh, I, I believe, I believe one passed the house, uh, last night, this morning, um, to you know, send. Just straight up send checks to people because, you know, even if you're staying home, your bills are still going to come. Um, so that's and that's a mechanism we've done before. Uh, if anybody remembers the uh, the tax cuts um, around after nine eleven, I believe um, everyone just got a check. Uh, and that is something that the U S. Treasury can do. Uh, and so that's that's there's potential that that we do that. Um, there are for folks who lose a job um, if they have unemployment benefits. Um, those are kind of always seen as a natural sort of um, a way that we uh, that it's it's a way that we counteract you know economic decline is by automatically there are some people who will be receiving checks. Now that you know it's very unfortunate for folks who. Uh, are either self-employed or, you know, maybe they're not in a covered uh, position and they don't exactly have uh, unemployment, um, but there are a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot of talk um, even just in the state of Mississippi of using uh, particularly some um, uh, TANF block grants uh, to help uh, to help people along through the next few months. Um, there's going to be, you know, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough for anyone who loses a paycheck. Uh, part of it is uh, buckling down, but part of it is there are a variety of, of uh, very small social nets that we have and that we are working on. When I say we, I mean, of course, the federal government, which I play no part in. Um, But there are some out there. um, But no doubt it will be very tough for some folks.
1: So, David, you had uh, an additional comment before you you wanted to go.
3: Oh, yes. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah. um, I think a good talking point would be uh, about how you – You know, spouses, I had to tell my employer this, and my wife is very upset. Um, Of course, she wants everybody to be safe and, 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 you know, try to protect everybody else. But at the same time, this is me. I had to do this. I got laid off, and my wife was worrying about paycheck, and she is, like, really upset with me. So it's probably a good talking point for maybe you guys or maybe another uh, program. Yeah, thank you.
1: All right, uh, David, thanks for your call. Um, You know, Ryder, the other thing, too, is sometimes we've talked on this program about, you know, your monthly budget. uh, But uh, maybe in this time where your paycheck might be uncertain, it would be a good time to review where your money goes each month and, and really drill down and find that discretionary spending and for the next couple of months just have to limit it so that you've got the necessary things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I I mean, you know, discretionary spending is one thing, and you know, we can always, you know, cut out that, you know, uh, theoretical five dollar Starbucks that apparently everybody in America enjoys. Um, But you know, a lot of discretionary spending is sometimes kind of small stuff, and a lot of that is going to be naturally cut by you just staying at home. A lot of the larger things that loom, you know, uh, housing, you know, your rent or mortgage payment is a huge part of your budget, uh, most likely. Uh, That is still something which is about a third of most people's budgets, uh, maybe a little bit less. Um, and debt repayments um, we talk about student loans a lot one thing the any student loans held by the US government they're not going to current interest right now I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work if that's ever going to come back or what and how long that's going to last but you also have the option of uh, with student loans uh, putting those into forbearance asking for it to asking for your payments to be deferred. now um, you know under, under normal times those still accrue interest but right now they are not accrued interest if you have federal student loans. Um, And so that's, you know, if you do have any student loans at all and you're concerned about, you know, your budgeting, your spending, you know, go ahead and ask for forbearance. Um, That's, I mean, you Worst comes to worst, as they say, no. But I, I think there's going to be a lot of forbearance offered uh, over the next few months, and uh, for folks who, you know, maybe their student loan is a big part of their budget, um, even if maybe they're paying aggressively on it. Um, that's going to be a big relief. Anything that you were paying aggressively on, maybe you have credit card debt you're paying aggressively on. Um, cutting that back a little bit. I, again, I always advocate with credit card debt, uh, negotiating with your credit card um, company. Uh, see if you can get reduced interest rates. Um, see if, you know, so long as you put it on kind of a fixed monthly payment, see if you can get some something out of them that way. Uh, but reducing those payments can help your budget as well. Um, mortgages and rent, those are huge parts of your budget, uh, that's very tough. I don't know of any specific relief uh, that there is for those, you know, if you have a very understanding landlord, um, you know, from, you know, kind of an individual, you know, obviously they still got mortgage and expenses to pay, but, uh, you know, any of these things, you know, negotiating with them, seeing if you can work something out. so those are ways you know those are places where you can kind of cut back obviously targeting your biggest expenses first um, but especially if this is you know again like I like I said before, this is a thing where it'll be reduced economic activity for uh, a little while you know we're talking months um, you know. Yes, this is a time when you're going to tap your emergency fund. Um, But this is also a time when you're going to just be very careful about your spending. Um, And also, you know, if you, again, if you do have credit cards you're using, that is a way to just delay paying for some of these things while you still uh, skate by. I would not be putting money onto credit cards. One, typically don't put money on credit cards that you can't afford to pay off um, at the end of the month. However, um, you know, if this is a time when you know your job is simply reduced, you haven't actually been laid off or anything, um, and you anticipate going back, um, you know, maybe you maybe you have a, a remote arrangement, um, something like that. Um, using the credit cards as a tool to kind of make it to that next month um, is, uh, you know, that, that is a, that makes sense.
1: Uh, we need to take another break. And one thing I would also, you know, David had mentioned sort of the, his, his wife being upset. This would be a good time yeah. when you are doing this to make sure that the entire family is in on this. Uh, if Absolutely. If the family decision yeah. makes these financial decisions, I think some of the stress level uh, will be reduced. Your food budget and personal finance questions are topics today. This is Money Talks. We'll be back with more after this. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Talks is MPB's Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Ryder is a chartered financial analyst and holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. So as we talk about kind of different ways, if you're trying to avoid the grocery store, there are some options to still have uh, get your groceries. Uh, There's now curbside pickup, uh, delivery, and even shipping. Uh, Ryder, do you have any experience with any of these newer methods of, of getting your groceries?
2: Yes, and I mean it's kind of kind of funny. You say newer methods. I Always like hearing uh, folks with stories about how you know they used to just call the grocery store up and say what they needed, and you know they'd either pick it up or the or the grocery would come deliver it to them. Um, you know, back in the the olden days, uh, as they say. Um, but no, I have used um, particularly the curbside pickup. I've used that a lot um, with some success. Um, these are, you know, these are pretty good. Of course, you are trusting somebody as, um, as your grandparents might say. I just don't trust anybody else to pick out the right squash and tomatoes. <laughs> um, so, you know, be careful with those sort of things. And I know there are ways you can say what substitutes, you know, you will accept. You know, just switching to a different brand of things um, versus, you know, substituting an entirely different product.
1: Uh, for folks in Mississippi, kind of a couple of options. I know uh, uh, Walmart um, is—they'll uh, have free pickup at the store with a thirty-dollar minimum order. Uh, you can have your groceries delivered for twelve ninety-five per month or ninety-eight dollars a year. Uh, some items will be delivered to you next day or in two days. If you order certain items that total thirty-five dollars, uh, delivery is free. And if you don't meet that total, there's about a six-dollar fee. So uh, certainly, Walmart kind of known for their uh, their shopping areas and all a lot of variety of things there. Uh, So that's one option. Kroger, uh, that's the central Mississippi area's, I think, probably dominant uh, grocery chain. Uh, Their first three curbside pickups are free. Then it's a $4.95 charge. Uh, Delivery within hours has a $10 charge uh, and a shipping uh, free shipping that takes one to three days on bulk items when your total's over $35. I guess, Ryder, one thing to keep in mind is you might want to maybe revamp the way you do your shopping. Because, you know, I think if you're going for two or three items and it's a little bit of a charge each time, that's going to add up. So maybe kind of think about, you know, uh, longer between visits and getting more stuff when you when you get the stuff delivered on, on the curbside.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And focusing on things, this goes in general right now, but also for shipping and and pickup and delivery and whatnot. Um, Focusing on things that are going to be shelf stable, you know, don't get a bunch of things uh, that are going to spoil. Don't don't order ice cream to be shipped with three-day shipping. It's hot (laughs) out there, y'all. But, you know, I mean, there are plenty of places that do, you know, ship frozen goods and, uh, you know, frozen meats particularly. Um, You know, maybe not the main grocery store chains. Um, But focusing on things that are shelf-stable and focusing on things that are going to not only last last a long time if you just don't pull it off the shelf, but, you know, things that you can eat a lot of. Um, You know, classically, rice and beans. You know, it's pretty easy to buy a ton of rice and beans that are going to last you forever. Um, But also, making sure that you're buying things that you're going to enjoy because, you know, if you're kind of... um, social distancing and staying home as much as possible. You're not preparing for the end of the world. You're just preparing for being pretty bored at home. So, you know, get yourself some chocolates, get yourself some candy. Don't forget to get your coffee in the morning, you know, things like that.
1: You know, another one that uh, I used to use, uh, there are those uh, several services now uh, that, you know, will send you the prepared or the food and you prepare the meal. I'm thinking the Blue Apron mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. Uh, I enjoy doing that. If you're someone who likes cooking, uh, it was really convenient to have have everything delivered to you, and even some of them come in you know, pre-measured amounts and that sort of thing, so that's another option. And again, I found the the couple that I worked with, uh, the couple of services that I worked with, to be fairly reliable. I know at one time, uh, there was like a bun was missing on a hamburger, and they gave me yeah. some like $15 credit or whatever. So uh, I think that that uh, industry is, is competitive enough to where I think you're going to get a good deal from that, uh, but that certainly is uh, an option uh, to think about as as a way of getting your food as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, there's a lot of different options there, that, and they do it all different ways. You know, we had mentioned
1: that uh, list of gro- uh, st- grocery store items that had, had in- increased the most in price over the last 10 years. Tobacco and smoking products, I guess I could understand, possibly due to uh, the increased tax. But the one that kind of stood out for me that seemed odd was margarine. You have any thoughts on why we're paying so much more for margarine these days?
2: I have no idea, besides the fact that I know it used to be super cheap. I haven't bought margarine margarine in years, I buy real butter, Right. because once, when I was a child, I was sent to the grocery store. I wasn't like sent to drive to the grocery store or outside of the grocery store. I was sent inside to the grocery store to buy butter, and I bought margarine because I didn't know the difference, and I was like, well, it's cheaper. And I was told in no uncertain terms that I should not purchase that again because it was not butter as I was asked for, so I learned my lesson um so i, I yeah I haven't been following the margarine prices lately, but that is odd because it is just um you know like vegetable oil pretty much right so and don't then know, uh, someone could chime in with an answer there that'd be great
1: shelf stable fish and seafood I guess that that can kind of make sense it's i guess that's kind of, fish and seafood maybe Yeah. Uh, that's. Yeah. Uh, um, some things to buy in bulk, because that's the other way that uh, we talk about mm-hmm. maybe when you think about it. And again, in the central Mississippi area, we just got a Costco that opened. Uh, so mm-hmm. bulk buying. What would you say some some tips about uh, buying in bulk would be?
2: Well, you know, classically, you know, dried rice and beans, right? You can buy them in large bags and they're going to last forever. Um, also, you know, like we just mentioned, you know, shelf-stable fish. You know, if you eat um, tuna, if you, you know, are following a diet that, you know, benefits from uh, eating a lot of fish. There's a lot of canned fish options available. They've always been uh, available. Um, and it's probably, you know, a lot easier way to store it than you know, buying fresh or frozen fish. Um, you know, it's easy to buy uh, large amounts of uh, cooking oil and salt and spices, which are, you know, kind of cooking essentials. Look, you know, again, you're going to be, if you're stuck at home for a month or so, you don't want your food to be bland. Um, you can be, pick up big old, you know, cans of various seasonings, just, you know, you don't, don't overthink it. Uh, but the things you use, the, the spices and seasonings you use most often, you know, just buy a big old thing of them. Um, and then, you know, if you just you know, don't want to think about it, just, just grab some of those, you know, pre mixed seasonings they have. Um, those are pretty good. Uh, and those are a good thing to have on hand when, you know you need to just kick it up a little
1: notch. Uh, There's a couple others on this list that our producer Liz gave to us. Uh, Frozen berries, and then from a healthy standpoint, I know uh, Dr. Josie Bidwell, who does our Healthy uh, and Fit uh, Southern Remedy Program, says that those frozen berries uh, have as much uh, nutrition as the fresh ones do. Also, a couple of my favorites, peanuts uh, and peanut butter. Those are things that have a long shelf life that, uh, you know, I could probably buy the super giant jar of peanut butter and, and work my way through it before too much longer.
2: Hey. <laughs> Yeah. Also, uh, you know, uh, fruits and vegetables, and when they're frozen, uh, yeah, I, I, they, you know, that advancement has come a long way. I mean, they're just, yeah, like you said, just as nutritious as as the fresh version, except they are, they're going to last a lot longer in your freezer. Make sure you have enough room in your freezer, though. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, the, that's an important point.
1: Yes, indeed. Make sure your freezer and your pantry you have enough space. And also, you know, I think a lot of us fall victim to this: is sometimes something looks like it's a, a great bargain, so you buy it, but you want to make sure that it's something that you actually need and can use and so that you don't end up with, you know, Ten hundred rolls of uh, paper towels or whatever, you know, that kind of thing, because you bought them and it was a good sale. I don't sale. think
2: anyone is allowed to buy, uh, <laughs> you know, 10,000 rolls of paper towel or toilet paper these days. I think those are being rationed, because everyone is, is jumping on them a little quickly. Although, one another good note, I did just hear, you know, earlier on the news, they had an interview with, I believe, the head of the Associated Grocery Stores, who was saying that, you know, a lot of the products you find in grocery stores are made mm-hmm. in America. And I think this is one of the you know resi- very resilient things about our economy. You know, we are energy independent, and a lot of our food we grow ourselves. Yes, some comes from kind of Mexico, but a lot of it's just coming from California, um, and of course we're in Mississippi. We're a very agricultural state, but. You know, we, we've seen folks kind of panic about food purchases and doing stock-up purchases. And, I mean, I, you know, at the grocery store this past weekend, I saw, you know, toilet paper and rice, which sold out. Um, but those are all things that, you know, they're just – they're on trucks coming to the store. I mean, they just – If everyone, you know, buys 10 times the normal amount in one day, yes, the shelves will empty, but the truck is coming in tomorrow, you know, or, you know, every few days, you know, uh, shipments are coming in, and so that's still there, Um, and so kind of being a little less panicky with uh, food purchases. But just if you do have to go out and shop, obviously, you know, be safe yourself. Take, take precautions. Wash your hands a lot.
1: Right. And shop, uh, shop smartly is, I think, mm-hmm. one of the messages we're trying to get across this morning. All right. Absolutely. Time for one more break. When we get back, Daryl's on the line with a question about bond funds. Daryl, we'll get to your question. Our topic is your food budget. We'll be back with more after this. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Glad you found our show Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder cat Portfolio Manager at New Perspective. All right. As promised, uh, Daryl held for us through the break, and he's on the line to talk about bond funds. Daryl, you're on the air with us, so go ahead, please.
0: Uh, good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Ryder. Um, go I, I apologize for being sort of offbeat as far as the topic is concerned. Uh, Hang on one second, Daryl. Please never
1: okay. never hesitate to call when you have a, a personal finance question. That's our main reason for being here, so go ahead.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, as an alternative to your traditional savings accounts offered at banks, um, I was considering, or at least I am considering, uh, municipal bond funds or tax-free bond funds Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to know if you can give me some pros and cons so to help me make a better decision.
2: Sure. So, uh, a couple of frozen. and cons. One, uh, I would consider municipal bond funds. So, the, the point of municipal bonds is, like you said, they're tax-free. That interest is free, uh, is exempt from uh, federal income tax. Uh, that being said, you know, not a lot of, you know, bonds were pretty low interest rates right now. They're not paying off a ton of income, so it may not make a huge difference. Typically where we see the benefit is someone who is in a much higher tax bracket. You know, if they have a, a, a thirty five to forty percent tax on that interest, then it makes sense to go to a municipal fund. Now, um, municipal funds, uh, as the name implies, municipal bonds, as the name implies, are issued by municipalities. You know, cities like Jackson uh, or Hines County or Mississippi or Madison, Rankin, all, you know, they all issue bonds, uh, usually to support longer term, large investments, longer term projects. Um, so you are subject to the credit risk of those municipalities. Uh, That being said, most municipalities have the power to raise taxes to pay for these things. Um, So while there are some which are considered riskier or lower credit quality, but generally speaking, um, we don't have you know historically uh, we don't have a lot of municipal uh, defaults. Um, obviously, a huge notable exception uh, was Detroit several years ago, um, and um, Birmingham, Alabama, a little closer, closer to home. Um, but the main reason to look at municipal bonds is for that that tax free income. Which you know if you're in a higher tax bracket, yes, it absolutely makes sense. Um, a couple of cautions are there. You know, don't put municipal bonds in an IRA. That doesn't really make sense. Um, that because an IRA is already protecting the tax. Um, and also, with any bond fund, you got to be wary of, you know, what is the cr- uh, interest rate risk? Because there's two risks: there's credit risk and there's interest rate risk. Credit risk kind of low, especially if you're focusing on those higher quality mun- municipal bonds. But the interest rate risk is going to be the same as any other uh, bond funds. So if you have short-term ones, yeah, they're not paying a lot of interest, but you know, not a lot of not a lot of fluctuation as interest rates change. Uh, super long-term ones, things 20 to 40 years out, uh, they're going to fluctuate a lot as interest rates change. And that does mean they can decline if interest rates rise. And interest rates are at historical lows, so wouldn't be terribly surprised to see them rise over the next few years. Um, Intermediate bonds, um, that's just, you know, not taking a a view on the short or the long term, Uh, but those are bonds that mature within, you know, kind of four to ten years uh, is often a range given, and they sometimes pay a little higher interest rate, uh, but they still will fluctuate uh, uh, in the interest, given interest rate fluctuations.
0: Okay, well, uh, thank you for that, and uh, let me ask you this now. what bond funds, well, not necessarily bond funds, but what funds would make sense for an, an
2: IRA? Uh, just corporate uh, bond funds, or even, you know, if, if you want to do treasury bonds. Um, because those, you know, typically when you earn interest, you pay taxes on it. But if it's in, in an IRA or 401k type investment, then you don't, you're not paying taxes on anything while it's in there. Um, so, you know, say you have a bond fund and it pays out, you know, you, you earn uh, $100 in interest. In an IRA, you don't pay any taxes on it. Uh, out in the real world, you do pay taxes on it at your tax bracket. Uh, with a municipal bond fund uh, that earns $100, if it's in an IRA, you don't pay any taxes on it. But if it's out in the real world, you don't pay any taxes on it either. Now, here's the thing. When you withdraw that money from the IRA, you draw $100 is $100 of income, regardless of where it came from. So, that's why it does not make sense to put a municipal bond fund into an IRA, because that effectively just turns it into a taxable bond.
0: Okay, well, let me interrupt you quickly. I'm sorry. I know you pressed for time, but I want to make I want to ask you this quickly. Um, suppose it is a Roth IRA, would it then make sense?
2: not particularly because again if if the yield were significantly high if the yield were higher than a comparable corporate bond which, Sometimes you do find that. Sometimes, you know, the the municipal bond market is very large, and and, and, and it's very weird, and it's very fragmented because, you know, municipalities, they they issue in all different sizes, all different uh, times. And it's possible to find uh, municipal bonds that might be paying a higher rate than a comparable corporate bond. Uh, That's not typical. But if you just find one that is just a better bond, it might make sense to put it into a Roth IRA. Because you know any withdrawal from a Roth IRA, you know after your fifty nine and a half is of course tax free. Uh, but again, it would only make sense if you were actually earning a higher rate, which typically you see municipal bonds earning a lower rate. Um, but uh, just because they have that tax benefit built in, which is valuable to some people.
1: All right. Uh, thanks, Ryder. That's going to end us up for today. And just a quick re- uh, an addition, the end of our food uh, discussion, DoorDash, GrubHub, uh, those are some of the ways that you can also get uh, prepared food delivered to you if you want to go that route. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners like you. To hear today's show or a previous show, one way to find it is to go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org or just listen to the podcast, which you can find on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz gill our call screener today was java chapman so for rider taff i'm kevin farrell inviting you to join us every tuesday at nine for money talks on mpb think radio
0: this is an mpb think radio podcast